grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is today's Gospel and I'll read again verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Lord Jesus, look on us. Have mercy on us in our needs because of your great love for us. Amen. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, as is often the case, in today's Gospel, our Lord turns human expectations upside down. To his disciples, he described the highly respected Pharisees and the, the religious uh, Bible scholars as blind guides. He said they were like plants that would be rooted up because they hadn't been planted by his heavenly Father and he told his disciples not to bother with them. Yet he commended a Canaanite woman for her great faith and gave her what she asked for. Ironically, she belonged to a people that the nation of Israel was supposed to have exterminated when they entered the promised land in the days of Joshua. The sad fact is that Pharisees and scribes or Bible scholars had gotten totally off track. They'd come all the way from Jerusalem to Jesus in Galilee to ask him why his disciples didn't firstly wash their hands before they ate. Uh, it was a ritual washing. They didn't know about germs in those days. Note that the, the disciples hadn't broken God's law. He told the priests to wash their hands and their feet before going into the holy place and before approaching the altar of burnt offering. The idea that everyone needed to dip their fingers or wash their hands in water before eating was a relatively recent tradition of the elders. In reply, Jesus asked the Pharisees why they broke what was God's command, you honour your father and your mother, when they dedicated to God what they should have used in the support of their parents. Then he spoke to the crowd about what really defiles a person. He said that it's not what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles it. The Pharisees were more than offended when they heard it. They were caused to stumble, as the text literally says. They wrote Jesus off. And that's when he called them blind guides and told his disciples to move on without them. Unwashed hands don't get us offside with God, although they might get you offside with your parents or others who are there ready to eat with you. But it, as far as God is concerned, it's the unwashed heart that is vital. Peter, on behalf of the disciples, made the request, explain the parable of the blind leading the blind to us. In reply, Jesus addressed them all. The word you in Greek is plural. Are you all also still without understanding? Do you all not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled into the toilet? The important matter isn't what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth, from the heart. What our Lord says here is true for everyone, follower and Pharisee, fellow member and foreigner, Christian and non-Christian. Out of the heart come evil thoughts or evil arguments, 
murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnessings, blasphemies. Look into your own heart in the light of God's law to see what resides there. For now, look merely at the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. Ask yourself if you always put the true God first in your life. In all the busyness of life, do you find time to meditate on God's word or to pray? Would you remain faithful to God if it would mean forsaking money or possessions? Are you more afraid of what other people might think of you than of what God would have you do? Would you be willing to disregard laws of the state about what advice you might give a family member or a friend in matters of sexuality or when it comes to so-called voluntary assisted dying so that you may uphold the law of God for the good of your neighbour? It's not a class or race of people that are to be labelled as oppressors and forever punished for the injustices of the past as modern Marxists would have us believe. Rather, and this is the first point of our sermon, the home of evil and sin is in each human heart. So when we pray in the Our Father, deliver us from evil, we do well to make it a prayer about the Lord delivering us from the evil that's within More important than having clean hands is that our hearts need to be cleansed of the evil and sin that reside in them that are offensive to God and a threat to our neighbour. Well, who can cleanse the heart? What we can't do, God in love has done for us. He has the solution for all people, ancient and modern, religious and irreligious, friend and foe alike. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says that whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He promised his wayward people Israel, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my just decrees. The spirit-filled cleansing that we need is made available to us by Jesus who is Lord and Son of David as the Canaanite woman confessed. That's our second point. Jesus alone is our saviour since he's the Lord and as son of David, he's the Messiah God promised to Israel who came to save us from our sins. King David rightly prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. He called on God to wash him thoroughly and make him clean from his sins of adultery and murder. Jesus filled with God's spirit. Jesus who is both God and man. God's divine son and David's human offspring, his son, in one person. Jesus provides that spirit-filled washing and renewal. The book of Hebrews says that it's by the offering of his body and blood on a cross and by his resurrection from the dead and ascension into heaven that we can come into God's presence Hebrews says, 
since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near to God the Father with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, by his baptism, he washes our bodies with pure water and that pure water also cleanses our bodies on the inside. It's by his blood given us to drink in his supper that he sprinkles our hearts. This is sacrificial language from the Old Testament. He sprinkles our hearts clean from an evil conscience. So believe in Jesus as this Canaanite woman did. She began to cry out saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She believed that Jesus could rescue her daughter from the demon. Nothing could shake her faith, not even Jesus' silence. She continued to cry out, and it all became too much for the disciples. Send her away, they said. Give her what she wants is what they meant. She's an embarrassment to us. But Jesus replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was saying, I wasn't sent to help the Gentiles. The woman must have overheard what he said, but that didn't stop her pleading for help. She physically got in his way. She came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Then came a seeming slap in the face. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She agreed. Yes, Lord, she said, for even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She was saying, I agree and believe, and I don't want the children's bread, because when the children eat, the dogs get to eat too, don't they? The bread of the Messiah is so abundant and so overflowing, the parts of it fall on the floor from the table, and the crumbs are enough for me and my daughter. As it happened, Jesus had more than crumbs for the persistent Canaanite. That same hour, her daughter was delivered. Martin Luther makes the lovely comment, she catches Christ with his own words. He compares her to a dog. She concedes it and asks nothing more than that he let her be a dog as he himself judged her to be. Where will Christ now take refuge? He is caught. Truly, people let the dogs have the crumbs under the table. It is entitled to that. Therefore, Christ now completely opens his heart to her and yields to her will, so that she is now no dog, but even a child of Israel. Luther went on, All this, however, is written for our comfort and instruction, that we may know how deeply God conceals his grace before our face and that we may not estimate him according to our feelings and thinking, but strictly according to his word. So when it seems God that God doesn't care about you, trust rather his word. When it seems as if God isn't listening to us in our time of need, we can be encouraged not only by our Lord's response to this Canaanite woman, but also by what he himself suffered on the cross, From the cross he prayed the opening words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He endured the silence of his Father so that our sins might be paid for and we might be forgiven. 
In all his troubles, he continued to trust his Father and was raised to life and the glory of heaven for our sake. Our Lord has more than crumbs for us foreigners. The Old Testament that repeatedly describes Israel as God's chosen people also repeatedly says that his salvation is for all. Just think of today's psalm that begins, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And it's not that the nations look on enviously while they see that salvation given to Israel. The next verses say, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Well, we're included in those nations. So our third point today is, with hearts that he has cleansed, we can cry out constantly and confidently to him for ourselves and others. We do well to use the words of the Canaanite woman, have mercy, O Lord. That prayer comes at the beginning of the traditional service. In the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, used regularly in the Greek Orthodox Church, the response, Lord, have mercy, is used repeatedly at the beginning of the service in a lengthy prayer for our salvation, for the peace of the whole world and the well-being of the Church of God, for country and civil authorities, for seasonable weather, for those travelling, for the sick and suffering. In churches like our own, this prayer is usually abbreviated to just the words, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Yet as we pray those words, we can have in mind the needs of the church and the world. In the world around us, there are tragedies beyond number, with people reeling from disaster, financial ruin, divorce, drug addiction, and hideous crimes. Lord have mercy. In our church and others, there's much division and apathy and even apostasy. Christ have mercy. In our own families, there are all kinds of problems and troubles. Lord, have mercy. Or as you pray those words, just have the needs of one person in mind. Make the words, Lord, have mercy, part of your daily prayers. Pray with confidence, full of faith, as this woman did. For as God's word says, Jesus, who is Lord and Son of David, who died for our sins and rose again, is near to all who call on him. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.